I, so funny, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, I got to go. <laughs> so, I don't know where my mind was, but I wasn't in the, uh, in the moment there. Let me get this opened up so I'm in the right place. Oh, my goodness. I'm distracted. That's exactly right, yeah. All right, folks, good morning to you. My name is Pastor John Collins. It's nice to have you here today. Somebody came up and introduced themselves to me. And I said, I haven't been gone that long. You know, I, I do appreciate uh, Pastor Alex. I know he preached two weeks ago and uh, two Sundays ago, and uh, last week, um, uh, Don, nice to see Don back. He was here, wasn't he? Okay, thank you. I wasn't sure. I tried to call him when I got back home, and I haven't talked to him yet, so I, uh, I was expecting him to show up, and I hoped that he had. I figured he had, but uh, uh, I, I know that you enjoyed seeing, uh, seeing him uh, again. Arlene and I had a, had a nice uh, time uh, away, and it's always good to... to uh, uh, to uh, to come back. All right, let me jump right in. I got a long play, way to go. Um, Arlene and I were on our way home uh, uh, at the airport on Thursday, and uh, she asked me. She said, uh, "She said, John, what are you what are you preaching Sunday?" And I, I, you know, in all honesty, I looked at her and I said, "You know, honey, I have no idea." You know, I, I knew we were going to take a break from our from our uh, series on the uh, minor prophets, um, and. Um, you know, we, we had set this title uh, some uh, weeks ago, uh, Where Do We Go From Here? So I, I knew kind of, you know, what I was doing, but I'd just been kind of working on this. And, and although it's true when I said to her, I really don't, don't I'm not ready to preach yet Sunday. Uh, in reality, uh, you know, the next 15 or 20 minutes that I'm going to share with you uh, has been something that, that God's been working on in my heart for, uh, for several months, probably more than a year even. So in, in, in one instance, you know, it's, it, you know I, I, I almost felt unprepared uh, today, but yet in another instance, uh, I just felt that God was uh, telling me to just share from my heart uh, what he's been uh, working on in me in these last few, few months. So here we go. How is the weather over your head? How's the weather over your head? Let me, let me tell you where that comes from. You know, Arlene and I, for the last uh, 10 days, we were in the Caribbean. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, we were in the Caribbean. It was, it was 85 and sunny every day. You know, I don't know if you've seen Arlene. She's got a beautiful golden tan. And, uh, you know, me, yeah, whatever. But anyway, I, you know, I'm kind of like a baked potato in the sun. You know, you just, it just brings out the flaws. But anyway, um, 85 and sunny the whole time we were gone. And then when we, we, kept, we got to the airport in Pittsburgh on Thursday, uh, coming back, and on our drive home, we drove home in a whiteout the whole way. I mean, we had to put the truck in four-wheel drive. We had to follow the tracks in front of us. We, you know, we wondered if we were going to make it. And it was just, uh, it was just a miserable two hours from Pittsburgh uh, to home when we'd really been traveling all day, you know, by, by Uber, by airplane, you know, barely made the connection uh, in, in New Jersey. It was really funny because we were, we were going to miss our connection coming home in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, they, they delayed the flight uh, coming in from um, Charleston, and uh, we were going to get to, to uh, uh, New Jersey like like. 10 or 15 minutes after the boarding started of our, of our connecting flight. 
And we were like, we were like so anxious. And when we landed there, and if we didn't make this flight, it was going to be hours before another one was there. And we were so tired of traveling. And anyway, I said to Arlene, as soon as, as soon as the bell went off, you know, and the plane stopped, we jumped up and we grabbed our stuff and we just kind of muscled our way through the aisle to the front of the plane because we were in the cheap seats in the back. And we muscled our way to the, to the front of the plane and we were ready for him to open the door because we were going to go and I was going to do my, my best OJ impression from the 70s, not the 90s, but the 70s. And I was going to run through that airport and I was going to catch that plane and I was going to get home. Anyway, and she was about ready to open the door and the stewardess said to us, oh, you're fine. Actually, this is your plane. Our connecting flight was the plane we were on. We had to get off and then just get back on. They had moved the... Anyway, it made, it made sense after a while, but it's like, what are we doing? So, but here's the thing. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're in a place where it's so beautiful, so wonderful, so warm, so sunny, so everything, and then all of a sudden you're in a you're, you're in a chaos of, uh, of traveling. And then when you get home, you're in the chaos of weather. And are we going to make it and all this? And we get home and, you know, our, our driveway's not been, uh, you know, cared for. And it's just a, a, anyway, it's just a mess. And we finally get in the house. And I begin to think about my message for you today. Isn't that life? I mean, I mean, one minute... It's just, it's beautiful and it's sunny. And then the next minute, it's not. Matter of fact, we were in one island uh, down in the Caribbean and we were on this catamaran. I know this sounds so beautiful and it really was. But we literally were out in the middle of the Caribbean and uh, it was sunny. It was sunny all around. Except there was one rain cloud right over our little boat. And wherever we went, it was raining. I'm like, dude, go over there. It's sunny. And then the, the, the follow, I'm serious. It was, just, it was just following us. And sometimes, sometimes I feel like that that's the way life is. How's the weather over your head? Well, it's good. And then it's not good. It's bright and sunny. And then there's some kind of weather catastrophe that comes your way. You know what, folks? I think that we can learn from that. We can also learn from Scripture, specifically from the life of Job and Solomon. Think about it. Job and Solomon, one had it all and one lost it all. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, the richest man who ever lived, he financed the building of the temple and it became known as Solomon's Temple even though it was built in honor to God. Solomon had it all. He had, he had hundreds of wives. I'm not sure why that would be a positive, but anyway. In his culture, that was, a, that was a tremendous thing. He had it all. And here's the thing. He never lost it. He, he never lost it. He really had very little, very little struggle in his life because of that. Now you contrast that with Job. The Bible says about Job, a matter of fact, here I have the scripture for you. Look at this. In Job chapter 1, it says, In the land of us there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. 
and he lost it all. He lost his wealth. He lost his livestock, which was a tremendous uh, thing to have in his day. He lost his family. He lost his reputation. Matter of fact, his friends and his wife told him that because of what was happening to him, that he should curse God and die. But Job never did. Can you imagine what it must have been like to hear people encourage you to curse your God and then just die? Because in reality, what they were asking him to do was to look God in the eyes and say, God, I know that you don't love me. Because I was this person, blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil, but yet I, who had anything and everything I ever wanted in life, but yet it was all, it was all taken away from me. But here's what I want you to do, folks. I want you to contrast these two lives and to think about who they were, what they went through, and how life ended up for them. Because in reality, they both, they both ended up at the very same place. Because at the end of the book of Job, in chapter 42, it basically just says that Job apologizes to God, apologizes for questioning God, and says, you know, who am I that I should think that I should be the one that, that rules the world? You see, Job had it all, lost it all, and came to the conclusion that really all he needed was God. Solomon had it all, kept it all, but at the end of his life, he questioned everything that he had and the ability that it had to bring him happiness and contentment in life. If you don't believe that, just read the book of Proverbs and what he says about wealth, how fleeting it is, how evil it can be, and how, how having everything never leads to really the things that you need in life. Isn't it amazing that Job lost it all, came to that conclusion. Solomon had it all and kept it all and came to the same conclusion. Because so often in life, what happens is that when we have it and we lose it, we blame God. Or if we have it and we don't lose it, we don't need God. And our arrogance keeps us from even bowing down and worshiping him. Matter of fact, when you contrast the two, you, you can do this all through the Bible. Think about Abraham. Abraham, it says in the land of Ur, he was, he was the man among men. He had everything that he could ever wanted. God told him to go to a land that he didn't even know where he was going, and he, and he, and he laid it all down and trusted God. God told him that he was going to, be a, a, going to have descendants uh, like the sand of the seashore and the stars in heaven. And he didn't know when that was ever going to happen, but he just trusted in God that it would happen. He went to a place and he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how long it was going to take him to get there. He didn't know how long it was going to be before God blessed him, but he stayed faithful and true. And if you read the life of Abraham, you know, he's on the mountain with his son, ready to, to sacrifice his son. He's lying to the people that are around him about, about his wife, that she's his sister, because all these things that he goes through. But in the end, what does he say? 
He says that the righteous will live by faith. That you can have it all, keep it all, but you've got to be faithful to God. You can have it all and lose it all, but you still come to the same conclusion in life. You know, think about it. You can take this, you can see this all the way through the Bible. Think about, think about Lazarus. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, had died. Jesus shows up and raises him from the dead. Jesus finds himself in the middle of a, of a group of people ready to stone a woman caught in sin and he rescues that woman and she walks away and he tells her to go and sin no more but yet not many chapters later in the book of Acts you have Stephen who was taken out outside uh, the city and stoned to death. Jesus, why didn't you use the same technique on those men who were stoning Stephen as you did on the women who were there prepared to stone the woman. Why, why raise Lazarus from the dead but yet seemingly stand by as others die? You see, I think the, I think the conclusion that we all have to come through in Scripture is that, you know what, we'll have everything. We can lose everything. We can have trials and tribulations. We can get you know, those pink slips at work. We can get that terrible diagnosis from the doctor. But whether or not we live or die is really not what God wants us to focus on. What he wants us to focus on is that whether we live or die, that we, that we are faithful unto the end. You know, you know, the older I get, and I have a hard time talking about this without being emotional, because the older I get the more I think about finishing strong. You know what I mean? I'm talking about whether, whether the end of my days are in a hospital bed with a, with, a, with a drip above me trying to keep me alive or whether some tragic accident or heart attack or whatever diagnosis from the doctor Whatever, I, you know what, I, I want to I finish strong. And you know, sometimes we live in a world where it's hard to keep that strength up. And so I look at, I look at, I look at Solomon and what he came to. He says in Ecclesiastes, there's a good, there's a good book to read. You know, go and, go and read Job and Job's story. Go and read uh, Ecclesiastes, which is written by Solomon. Go and read Proverbs uh, that most of them are from, from Solomon and see what he says. What he says is that it really doesn't matter what you go through in life. It doesn't matter the weather over your head. It doesn't matter what comes to you. What matters is that we stay strong in understanding that God loves us and that he wants us to finish strong in in life. So here's the truths that I want to I want to share with you uh, this morning. Job chapter 40, no, excuse me. Job chapter 1 is such an interesting passage because it says there that he feared God, blameless, upright, he feared God, and he shunned evil. And when I read that, my question is, is that why did he go through what he went through? 
And if you read the story of Job very close, anybody that is like this, anybody that is upright and blameless and loves God and hates evil, the devil wants to tear you down. The devil is always there on the side and he's always uh, scheming. He's always trying to find ways that he can bring you down. We need to recognize that. We need to understand that. We need to know that he is there and he's going to do that. He did that to Job and he's going to do it for, uh, to us as, as well. Here's the second thing that I think really comes to my mind when I think about this is how, is how Job and Solomon and really so many others in the scripture, there was always somebody there to criticize. You know, if you read the book of Job, you read about some friends that are difficult to pronounce their names. <laughs> but they're all consistent in telling Job that he's done wrong. He's sinned. This is why it's going on. This, he needs to curse God and die. He needs to walk away. He needs to, he needs to, he needs to leave this notion of what it means to be blameless before God and to be righteous before God and to love good and to hate evil. They were the ones that were always doing And you know what? You ever, you ever feel like that, that happens? You know, you ever feel like that that's exactly what goes on in life? You know, I think about things like, like in the book of Job, in chapter, not in the book of Job, in, um, in Ecclesiastes, in chapter, chapter 3, um, Solomon shares there that there's a time for everything, a time to, uh, to, to be born and a time to die, time to mourn and a time to dance. And he's just saying, what he's saying is, is that riches does not um, exempt you from the difficulties in life. They come. And the point is, is that through those difficulties, can we remain true and faithful to him? I love what Proverbs 24 says in verse number uh, uh, 33. He says, he says, I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. Here, this, is, this is Job talking about his conversation with God. And he says, this is what I observed. This is what I learned. This is what I saw. He says, quote, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come to you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Now here's the point, folks. Should he have experienced any of that? Probably not. But he did. And what he's saying is that we will too. When he got to the end of his, his life and the end of his book, what he was saying was that every, all these struggles that I've been through, they have no bearing on how much God loves me and how much God cares for me. And how much God is going to see me through. Matter of fact, the thing about Job's story is that he, he had it and he lost it, but then it was restored. It came back. Matter of fact, uh, many times over. So he got it all plus more at the end. I almost think that's kind of indicative of the life of a Christian for all of us. You know, because when this life is over, we get glory. You know, when the struggles here are over, we get the perfect place. 
When our time here is done, we go to that place where, where time does not exist. And for all of eternity, we will enjoy the pleasures and the beauty of being in the presence of God. But you see, folks, here's the thing. Through all these stories, and I, and I have more of them here, but I, I don't have time to, to give you all of them from the Bible. But through all of these stories in the Bible, the consistent message is, is just follow God. Stay close to Him. Love Him. Serve Him. Obey Him. Be a learner. Be a disciple of His. And use the principles that He teaches you and how you deal with the problems in your life. So here's the thing. Now let me give you an illustration. I'll explain it to you. When we were when we were gone, we went to we went to St. Thomas, the American Virgin Islands. I don't know if you've been to St. Thomas, but St. Thomas is one of the most popular stops in in any Caribbean vacation. Thousands and thousands of people visit there every day. The day we were there, there were four cruise ships uh, in port. Probably had three to 5,000 people on the beach. So you can imagine the numbers of people there. And I was up when we were pulling into the port early that morning. And I could see these, these other two cruise ships on, this, on the dock. And, and St. Thomas is interesting in that a lot of times they, you can dock on one side of a dock and the other side of a dock, or there'll be another dock down here, and it'll take two ships, you know, things like that. This is just one long dock, and there were two ships on this dock, and the free space was between the two ships. And we were on this cruise ship. I, there was over 3,000 customers on the cruise ship, and I don't know how many crews, so there was probably 4,500 people on this ship that we were on. And as we pulled into the port, all of a sudden I realized that, that the back end of the ship was swinging around in this port of, um, of uh, there in uh, St. Thomas. But here's the thing. There were, there were multi-million dollar yachts sitting everywhere. There were these two cruise ships. And all of a sudden we're swinging around. And I'm making this story too long. Here's what he did. The captain parallel parked that ship. He swung that thing around and put it right between those two ships just, just as easy as you please. And the times that I've tried to go in the, po the post office in downtown Altoona with that one spot there on the right and me trying to get in it, it is unbelievable. I pull all the way down to Mike Jennings' new office down there and I walk all the way back to the post office because I can't, I can't do that. But boy, he did that. And here, here's my thought to that. Here's my spiritual thought to that. We need to understand, folks, where we go from here. We have to make sure that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Do you know the Bible says that? That's a quote. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Paul said it. Paul said it in his letters that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And you know what, folks? I just think, I just think that that is what we need to make sure that we continue to think about. Whether we got it, whether we don't have it, whether we lose it, or whatever, we need to understand that Jesus Christ 
is the head of the church. I want to tell you something, folks. We've spent, we've spent time in prayer, talk and study, encouragement with the leadership of this church, with the elders, deacons, deaconesses, trustees, and board meeting, and elders meetings, and other kinds of meetings, and we've tried to make sure that that, that that is truly who we are here at this church. And you know, and from my heart, folks, the last year, it's been difficult for me. I know it's been difficult for everybody, but, you know, I, I just, I've had a hard time as, as people have questioned that. As people have misinterpreted that or, or, or whatever. I, I, I don't know exactly. I don't want to put words in other people's mouths. But, but to see people walk away from our church family, you know, because they don't think that that is the case. And I want to hear, I'm here to tell you folks, it is the case. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. We want to honor him. We exist to bring glory to his name and to enjoy him forever. Our commission as we serve him is to try to help people fall in love with Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. And we want to treat people as Jesus would treat them. We don't want to treat them uh, you know, like Pharisees treated people. We don't want to treat them like like the judgmental people in the New Testament treat them. We don't want to treat them like, you know, we just want to treat them like Jesus treated them. And if we do that, I think that God can bless us with a wonderful future as we go forward. You know what, folks? I, I hope, I hope that you can, you can uh, make a commitment around that. That Jesus Christ is the head of the church and let's honor him. Solomon did it even though he had everything. Job did it even though he lost everything. Abraham did it when God told him to go. And it happened over and over again in the Bible. And I think it needs to happen today as we love and care about people. So as we do that, Let's make a commitment to live this way because Solomon and Job, they both came to the same conclusion. Whether you have it all, the, most, the biggest thing you need is God. Whether you lose it all, the biggest thing you need is God. And through it all, we need to live by faith, by hope, by trust, by forgiveness and love, and grace and mercy and discipleship and evangelism as we seek to share this, this wonderful message that can change your right now and secure your eternity with him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this wonderful morning that you've given us. God, I just pray that you could use my feeble words I pray, Lord, that people could uh, could see and understand uh, our um, devotion, our commitment, Lord, to you, our desire to allow you to be the head of the church, and our commitment, Lord, to follow you. Whether we have it all, whether we have nothing, whether we have it all, lose it all, and have nothing. God, when the end comes, we want to end well by being faithful to you. 
in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.